Amen. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the journey of our lives. We are so grateful to be in your hands from the moment we come to you, Lord, till we take our final breath. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for your presence with us here today. Bless our time now, Father. We 
We pray that you will give us ears to hear and listen. Give us hearts and minds to resolve and to act upon the challenges of your holy word. In the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We had a wonderful Thanksgiving week, didn't we? We started out last week blessing the Lord in song. We heard a sermon about remembering and responding. And we focused on so much for which we have to be thankful. We turned our hearts and our attentions to all the blessings of the Lord. We had a time of sharing. We had an attitude of gratitude. We experienced the spirit of thanksgiving. But it's all over now. Thanksgiving is over and we return to our lives filled with the stresses and challenges of every day, filled with the storms and the testings of life, and the spirit of thanksgiving which we so enjoyed, the spirit of gratitude that so filled our hearts this past week, it gets lost. It gets lost in the reality of life. See, in the hustle and bustle of life, what we tend to do is put on our thankful hats for Thanksgiving or any time we're reminded to be grateful, to be thankful. And we just as easily remove them when the holiday's over. And we return to attitudes of, of apathy, thanklessness, forgetfulness. We forget what we have to be thankful for in the first place. Max Lucado said this, imagine if you woke up tomorrow and all you had in life was what you thanked God for today. What kind of life would it be? Would it be an empty life? It's convicting, isn't it? So little for which we're regularly and constantly and consistently thankful. It wasn't meant to be that way. That's not how God intended us to live our lives. It's not what thanksgiving is all about in the first place. The Lord never intended for us to take gratitude and turn it into a holiday on the fourth Thursday of every November. It's so much more. Thanksgiving is meant to invade every part of our lives permanently. Open your Bibles today to our text in Colossians. We're going to read Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And here Paul exhorts the Colossian believers to live transformed lives as they have been transformed by Christ. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father 
through him. You know, there's a pervasive thread that runs through that passage, and it runs through every attribute and characteristic that Paul talks about. Thankfulness. Here we see a picture of a truly thankful life, a life in which thanksgiving and gratitude are constants. Look at each attribute in light of a spirit of thanksgiving. Every attribute is achieved only through a remembrance of what Christ has done for us. He speaks of compassion. We can only be compassionate because we have been shown compassion and are grateful that we have received that which we did not earn. Kindness. We express the same kindness we're so thankful to have been shown. Humility. We don't live in pride because we remember where we were, where we came from and what Christ did for us. Gentleness. We show the meekness of Christ because we have a genuine love for others and for his kingdom. We remember how he won our hearts with gentleness, patience. We suffer with Christ because any suffering in light of Calvary is hardly worth speaking about. And love. It's mentioned so well and spelled out clearly. 1 John 4.19 We love because he first loved us. You see, every godly attribute, every fruit of the Spirit can only be achieved by thankful believers living in remembrance of what Christ has done for us, what He is doing for us daily, and what He promises He will do for us in the future. When you have your past forgiven and you have a, a present with a peace and a purpose and you have an eternity that's secured, every day is Thanksgiving, isn't it? You claim you're a thankful person. A lot of us do. We all do. I'm thankful. What exactly does that mean? What defines a truly thankful life? It's certainly more than being thankful during a holiday, isn't it? Today we're going to look at exactly what it means to live a thankful life. We're going to examine the three characteristics of a truly thankful life, a life filled with gratitude to God. First characteristic, what defines a thankful life? First thing, thankful thoughts. Everything in our lives and in our character begins with how well aligned our thought life is with the principles of God. Gratitude begins with how we think, what we think upon. It begins with a remembrance of where we were. We heard about that last week. What God has done for us. See, thinking thankfully can't happen without a proper perspective, a proper baseline. We must have the right baseline in acknowledging what exactly we think we deserve. Too often we develop this sense of entitlement. And we believe that we're entitled to blessings that we feel should be ours. Guess what? God doesn't owe you a thing. Friends, let us remember who we are and exactly what we deserve. Keep it in perspective. And then remember what God has done for us. He rescued us from the life we had. He redeemed us and ransomed us through the blood of His Son. He forgave our sins. We are but sinners, deserving only of hell. And look, look what He's given us. Look what He's done for us. He's given us His presence daily, and He's promised us a future in heaven 
for all eternity with him. He made us his heirs from paupers to princes, from paupers to heirs. We deserved hell and he's given us heaven. Isn't that enough for which to be thankful? Take your eyes off yourself and what you think you're entitled to. And while you're doing it, take them off of everyone else as well. See, what we do too often is we move the baseline. We look around at others and we want their lot. Lord, Lord, I want his life. I want her life. I want their blessings. Friend, never desire the blessings of another until you understand the sacrifices they've made, the crosses they carry. His lot is not yours. Her lot is not yours. Their blessings are not meant for you. God has custom made your life. Thankful thinking begins with remembering our own baseline and trusting God with his plan, his unique plan for our lives. His blessings to us as well as the lot he's chosen for us. See, the most common, common source of disgruntled, ungrateful thinking is because we don't understand, we don't want to accept what God is doing in our lives. We want what we can see. We want what we can quantify. We want what we can project and clearly understand. We want to know that what we're going through is going to result in some blessing in X number of days. In essence, we want to take faith and trust out of our circumstances and make what we're going through known and quantifiable and explainable. It doesn't happen that way. I wish it did. Thinking thankfully can only happen with a pure trust in God. A faith that lets go and trust the Father. We don't always understand why things happen around us and to us. We won't always like them. We won't always know the plan. But a thankful child of God says, Lord, I, I can't trace your hand, but I trust your heart. You alone know and want what's best for me, and that's enough. I know that whatever I'm going through will end in good, Lord, because you're in it. It's so hard to do, but you know what? It's guaranteed. You want a guarantee? That's one of the only ones in life. God's plan for your life will always turn out better than your own. We don't understand it, but we trust him. In her book, The Hiding Place, Corey Ten Boom, she relates an incident that taught her to be thankful for things we normally wouldn't be thankful for. She and her sister Betsy were prisoners of the Nazis, and they had just been transferred to the worst prison camp they had yet seen, Ravensbrück. Upon entering the barracks, they found them extremely overcrowded and infested with fleas. Their scripture reading from their smuggled Bible that morning in 1 Thessalonians had reminded them to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. Betsy told Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail of their new living quarters. Corey at first flatly refused to give thanks for the fleas. But Betsy persisted, yes, even for the fleas. Corey finally agreed to somehow thank God for even the fleas. During the months spent at that camp, 
The two were so surprised to find out how openly they could hold Bible study and prayer meetings in their barracks without any guard interference at all. Several months later, they learned that the guards wouldn't dare enter the barracks because of the fleas. God knows what we don't. Trust Him in your circumstances. Thankful thinking, it begins with what? Acknowledging your baseline, remembering what exactly we deserve and what God has done for us, trusting God even in the dark when we don't understand, and finally setting our minds on the things of God. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What do you spend your time thinking about? Daydreams? What ifs? What could be's? The trivia of this world? Or worse? You know, our minds are consumed with what we spend our time on. What do you feed your mind with? Reality television? Hollywood rumors? Political conspiracy theories? You know, at best, feeding our minds with this world is like eating nothing but empty calories. And at worst, it's like consuming a toxin that will kill you. There's nothing beneficial in this world apart from Christ. Set your mind on things above. If our lives are focused on Christ, if we live with a remembrance of what He's done for us and we're truly thankful for it, then we will focus our thoughts upon Christ and His kingdom. If your mind is busy with the things of Christ, guess what? You don't have time for wasted thoughts. You don't have time for trivia. Think upon these things. Take your eyes and your mind off of yourself, off of those around you, off of this world, and set your focus on Christ. Thankful thinking. Have the right perspective about where you came from and what you deserve. Trust God with your life and in your circumstances and set your mind on Christ and His kingdom. A thankful life begins with thankful thinking. First characteristic. Second characteristic. A thankful life is characterized by thankful speech. If your thoughts are filled with gratitude and focused on Christ, guess what? Your words are going to follow suit. Words are the most powerful thing in life. The influence of our words is far greater than, than we may think or, or want to admit. You think it doesn't matter what you have to say? It does. Guess again. Look at a very small sampling of Scripture and what the Bible has to say about the influence and power of our words. Proverbs 18.21 The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 12.18 Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Matthew 12.36 But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment 
for every careless word they have spoken. Colossians 3.8, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. James 1.26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Proverbs 13.3, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Matthew 12, 37, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. There's many, many more references in Scripture about the power of words. So don't think it doesn't matter what you say. Don't think you're just expressing your own personal opinion. Is your speech filled with gratitude to God? Or is it filled with grumbling, complaining, griping, Chronic complainers, you know those folks? I'm convinced that some people can't be happy unless they're complaining about something. It's their fuel. It drives them. It gives them a purpose in life. If they're not complaining, if they're not criticizing, well, they're not trying hard enough. Define something. People who are truly thankful don't complain. They find a reason to be grateful. Matthew Henry, I love this, who wrote a commentary on every book of the Bible, was once robbed. The thieves took everything of value that he had. And later that evening, he wrote in his diary these words, which were shared to all the world. He said this, I am thankful that during these years, I've never been robbed before. Also, even though they took my money, they did not take my life. And although they took all I had, it wasn't much, really. Finally, I'm grateful that it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. That's finding something to be grateful for, isn't it? Those are words of gratitude, words of thanksgiving. Friend, what do your words say about you? When people talk to you, do they walk away saying, wow, I want the Christ he has? I want the Christ she has. I want that attitude. I want that life. Does your gratitude leave an impression on their lives, or are your words filled with a jaded, critical spirit of sarcasm and disenchantment? Your words reveal your heart, and your words are shaped by your thoughts. A disgruntled believer tells me that their thought life is grossly out of focus. A critical Christian tells me their mind is filled with all the wrong stuff. A thankful believer tells me they've got the right perspective in life. They're focused on the right things. What do your words say about you? Do they encourage? We heard that in the verse. Do they uplift? Are your words filled with worship and gratitude to God? There's an insightful thought by author Dennis Prager who says this, there is a secret to happiness, and it is gratitude. All happy people are grateful, and ungrateful people cannot be happy. We tend to think that it is being unhappy that leads people to complain, but it's truer to say that it's complaining that leads to people becoming unhappy. Become grateful, and you will become a much happier person. This may explain why Scripture is filled with reminders to worship 
and thank God. Scriptures like Psalm 92, which begins with, It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Reminder after reminder fill the pages of the Bible. Why? Because God needs our gratitude? No, because we need it. We need to give thanks. We need gratitude. You want to be happy? Be a thankful person. Thank God for his blessings in your life. Thank him audibly with words of praise. Worship him for what he has done. Thankful people are happy people. You want to cure your depression? Count your blessings. There's a, a story, a news story, true story, happened two years ago of a woman who was getting ready to jump off a 44-story building in the heart of New York City. Witnesses said that she didn't look like the type of person who would do such a thing. She was very distinguished and well-dressed. And all the attempts made by the police to get the woman off the ledge had failed. Finally, one of the officers asked if it would be okay if he called his pastor and, and he could come in and see if he could help. When the pastor arrived, he asked permission to go to the ledge and talk to the woman. As the pastor neared the edge, the woman screamed, don't come any closer or I'll jump. The pastor took a step back and, and then he said, I'm sorry you believe no one loves you. And this got the woman's attention and got the attention of the police who, who thought, oh boy, this was a mistake. That was something you don't usually say to a person who's threatening suicide. The woman was startled. She took a step toward the pastor and said, you don't know me. My grandchildren love me and so do my children. My whole family loves me. I have eight wonderful grandchildren and they love me. The pastor took a step toward the woman and said, well, then you must be very poor. Maybe that's why you want to take your own life. The woman who was a little overweight said, do I look like I go without any meals? We live in a very nice apartment. I'm not poor. The pastor took another step closer to her and now was just three feet away when he asked, then why do you want to kill yourself? I don't understand. The woman thought for a moment and then said, you know, I don't really remember. The story ends with the pastor and the woman walking towards the elevator as she shows him pictures of her grandchildren. Eventually, true story, this woman becomes a volunteer on the city's suicide hotline, helping others choose life by counting their blessings. What did the pastor do to help this woman? All he did was help her get her eyes off herself and on to the many ways that God has blessed her. She learned a valuable lesson that day. She learned that thankful people are happy people. She made it a point to spend time daily thanking God for her many blessings. A thankful life. It begins with thankful thinking and continues with thankful words. Words filled with gratitude to God and encouragement to others. Finally, our last characteristic. A thankful life is filled with and characterized by thankful actions. A thankful life isn't just filled with an attitude of gratitude, but acts of gratitude. Think of all the people who have done something for you. How far have you gone to say thank you? Have you acted in kind? And think about all those who have not been so kind to you. Have you acted kindly to them? If we're people of gratitude, thankful to a merciful God for saving us and for 
forgiving our sins. And we go out of our way to serve him and to serve people. Listen to what Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 40 tells us. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne of heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And here's the surprise. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, come in, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Here it is. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, flabbergasted, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or, or thirsty and gives you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and, and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. What do your actions say about you? Are you too busy serving yourself and your interests to worry about serving others? Do you leave well enough alone and figure, oh, someone else will step in? Someone else will step up? Someone else will fill the gap? Friend, if you see a need, fill it. Remember how much has been done for you. Recollect the grace and the mercy you've been shown and get up and show the same to others. Serve, work, help, do. A life of gratitude becomes a life of action. We must learn to put our interests on the side and serve others. That's sacrifice. That's the very definition of it. That's what a thankful life produces, a desire to sacrifice for the benefit of others. C.T. Studd said this. He said, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Why do you hold back? God has done so much for us. Why do you hold back? From him. Friend, throw your arms open and give yourself away. Give of your time. Give of your talents. Give of your resources. Give of your love. Let gratitude to God be expressed in real life actions. It's wonderful to have thoughts of gratitude, of gratitude. It's wonderful to express words of gratitude, but it must go further. Show your gratitude in acts of gratitude. Thankful acts, acts of service and sacrifice to God and his people for the progress of his kingdom. What a difference in a life when we're truly thankful. That's what, that's what it's all about, a thankful life. Thankful thoughts, 
thankful words, thankful actions. That's what makes a thankful life. So where do you stand today? Where do you stand this morning? If we measure our lives by our thoughts, our words, and our actions, then we've all got to ask ourselves, what do mine say about my life? Do your thoughts, words, and actions exhibit gratitude to God, a God who has saved you from the reaches of hell? Dear friend, let us have the spirit of thanksgiving, the spirit we celebrated this past week. Let that be part of every day of our lives. Let gratitude invade every part of your day, of your thoughts, your words, and actions. Think thankfully. Speak thankfully. Act thankfully. And your life will have the greatest impact on a world in desperate need of the love, the grace, and the mercy that you've been shown. A life driven by gratitude. A thankful life will leave an enduring mark upon this world, won't it? Let that be our call. Don't we have enough for which to be thankful? Look at your life. Look at your blessings. Look at your history. Look at your future. A past forgiven, a present with a peace and a purpose, and a future in heaven. Let our lives be an offering of thanksgiving to God for his incredible mercy. Let's take our eyes and our focus off of ourselves and what we think we deserve and our dreams and what we think we, we need and want in our lives. It's not about you. It's, it's not about me. Stop striving for yourself and your causes and your pursuits. Start striving for Christ. Let us live our lives as an offering to God, an offering of gratitude and praise for everything he's done. In every aspect, let us resolve to live a truly thankful life. And always remember that. He's forgiven your past. He's purposed your present. And he's ensured your future in heaven for eternity. Every day should be thanksgiving. Let's pray. Lord, we have so much for which to be grateful. You have taken our nothingness and given us everything in return. We've been shown mercy we cannot explain, grace we cannot comprehend, and love that we cannot even begin to measure. Let our lives speak of that, Father. Let our lives be so filled with gratitude, expressed in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. We have found an endless spring of water in the middle of a desert, and we want to share it with the world. Lord, let us reach others around us with a spirit of gratitude. Let each one of our lives be a thank you back to you, Father. We are a blessed people, and our earnest desire is to serve you with everything we have, with all of our love and all of our thanksgiving. We pray in your name. Amen.